Hey friends, this is Holly Goodman, and you're listening to Isaac's Autism Wild podcast, where we focus on topics related to raising loved ones touched by autism and its impact on relationships and family. I'll be sharing some of my personal parenting experiences, raising my son Isaac, who passed away in 2007, as well as an entirely different parenting experience as I now raise my son Caleb, who never ceases to blow my mind with his beautiful autism perspectives. So grab a drink and join me as I interview this week's group of exceptional autism parents. All right. Thanks for joining me for another podcast of Isaac's Autism in the Wild. Today, we are talking about unexpected wins with virtual learning. Um, we obviously could do a whole different recording on all of the challenges associated with virtual learning. Um, that actually could probably be a five-part series, I'm sure, depending on the um, parents that we pulled in to talk about that. But I wanted to talk about some of the unexpected wins because as the weeks progress, um, I'm always kind of pleasantly surprised at times about that there are some winning gems of virtual learning that I even hope that maybe we can hold on to when school goes back to quote unquote normal. Um, I'm still holding out and hoping that someday maybe the school year is not the one, but next year we can go back to what used to be a normal school day. Um, so that's why I have a group of parents joining me today so that we can kind of talk about some of these unexpected wins. So Tanya, you're on my Brady Bunch screen to the top. So I'm going to go ahead and start with you you. Um, go ahead and just introduce yourself and kind of what your model is for you because you know we're all different school districts and so I just want to just have you briefly explain what model you're using um, so that you know that way our listeners um, have that point of reference. Okay um, my name's Tanya. I have um, two kids. My 10 year old who is in fifth grade is my kiddo on the spectrum and we're in a school district that actually unlike a lot of our other local school districts, gave us the option of going back in person or the option to do virtual. And due to my son's difficulty with change and how the school day looks so different in person, I thought that would be extremely challenging for him. So we opted to tr do the virtual model because I knew he wouldn't. And he expressed concerns to me also about being able to wear a mask all day. And so he was very concerned about that and he's high anxiety. And I was like, I don't want him to feel anxiety over whether or not he's going to be able to handle keeping a mask on for six hours during a school day. And so we do virtual, and, but it, with the exception of, we actually did a, do a little bit of a mix. He actually does go in person for 30 minutes a day for his writing group, but he doesn't even have to go in the building. It's in the portable. Um, so I just drop him off in the bus loop. He goes for 30 minutes and comes right back out to me. So because I wanted to keep his same case manager and not switch, which would happen because they have a whole set of special ed people just designed for the virtual learning. And I wanted to keep his year before middle school. I didn't want him switching up who his case manager was since she's worked with him for the past several years. Gotcha. Yeah. And writing's his biggest academic struggle. So having that in person is helpful. And it's him and only four other kids. Nice. So it's small. And then everything else is on virtual. So what are some unexpected wins that you're experiencing this school year? So for my son, um, so he, when he went in person, he was only 35% gen ed because being in the ruler classroom is so tough for him due to the noise. He gets really easily annoyed with other kids and he just gets overwhelmed. So he had a lot of pullouts for like reading, writing and math group, but then he would also have breaks other places in the building too into our like DLC self-contained classroom just because being in Jeanette was hard for him. Now that he's virtual where you take away all that extra noise 
the because kids are usually supposed to be on mute for part of the time. When you take away all that extra stuff, he's actually in gen ed right now for 90% of his day. So he essentially went from 35% gen ed to 90% gen ed oh. because he can handle it. Yeah, because he can handle it. So he's actually in classroom. So for the first time, he's actually, so he had a one-on-one pair up before when he was in gen ed. So the hard part for me is I essentially am his one-on-one to help him stay focused and do his work. But the plus is, he, for the first time in probably his whole school career, is completing all his work with doing it at home because he doesn't have the outside distractions. So like, because um, kids are on mute, he's able to take a break when he needs it. His teacher gives them frequent like recess. They have a morning. She gives them like a couple breaks in the morning. They have an um, hour and uh, 10 minutes for lunch recess. And then they have breaks in the afternoon too. So he has lots of breaks throughout the day. Um, in the comfort of his own home, he has like fidgets and movement things. So he can take movement breaks while still being able to listen. He's also, you know, when she assigns them like um, some individual work to do, she puts them in their own individual breakout room. So he's in a breakout room by himself on Zoom where he just gets like complete quiet to do his work. And so for him, um, we had just had parent teachers conferences last week and his teacher had a form for all the kids to fill out. And he had to put what is one thing you like about virtual learning and what is one thing you don't like about virtual learning. And he responded for his answer. The one thing he likes about virtual learning is that it's not too loud. And the one thing he doesn't like is that the computer sometimes glitches. Oh, oh. yeah. Yeah, that's true. So as far as like, so he's completing more work than he ever has before. It's a lot of work on me, which I knew it would be going in. Like I expected that. I knew he wouldn't be able to work independently throughout the day. I knew it was going to put a lot on me, but yeah. And you had made the comment before I hit the record button that you're essentially your child's one-on-one, which I definitely yeah. feel that perspective. Um, I would also say that I'm Caleb's one-on-one and I feel like I am like four pointing the, um, the uh, seventh grade this year. So woo, woo for yeah. mom, uh, I feel like, like I've fifth grade material. It's like a whole review of all fifth grade math and decimals and yeah. Well, I'm not a teacher. And Tanya, you actually have a teaching certificate. So for me, it's one of those things where, wow, I'm doing better in the seventh grade, the second go around than I did the first go around. This is amazing. So that is an unexpected win for me on a personal level. I feel like I'm doing much better this go around in the seventh grade. Mm-hmm. So, well, and it, the other thing that's challenging for me is besides the fact that I'm kind of acting as his one on one, his younger brother, who's turns eight this month and is in second grade is also at home virtually. And while he is more independent, I mean, he's still only second grade and he's not the greatest at always focusing and paying attention to directions. So he still needs assistance at times too. So it's really hard when they both need like help at the same time and trying to balance that. That is true. Um, I actually um, am going to just, I have four virtual learners every day and boy, howdy, do I know exactly what you mean? Like there are some mornings where everybody, it's like four people coming at me with questions and I'm just like, Bleh! I can't, I can't do all the four things at one time. Uh, definitely overwhelming at, at points. So um, David, how about you? Um, go ahead and um, introduce yourself and kind of explain your virtual learning model just for those that are listening. So they know kind of how you guys are operating. David, my wife, Meg, and I have a uh, child on the spectrum who is 12, almost 13, and also a typical child, uh, her sister, who is 11. First and foremost, the model is exclusively right now uh, 
remote learning. And I am absolutely fine with that until we get our arms wrapped around exactly what we're dealing with here. Of course, it's easy for me to say as I'm not the one <laughs> administering the education. Um, so that being said, I mean, a couple wins on the front that don't even include Morgan, the one who's on the spectrum, but just in general, that as that 830 hour would approach in years past, it wasn't just getting things together so that you could learn. We had to get your butts into the car and get you to school. And that meant really 810, which would turn into 815, 817, and then 821, the stress of like, oh my God, we're not going to make it on time. We're barely in the car at 821. We're not dealing with any of that this year. Even if they're still in their pajamas at 830, they're in class. So, I mean, you know, a residual benefit, that's a little bit less of a stressor for both of us. Not that, you know, you know what, never mind, not for both, for me. That that really is a convenience for me. Meg then has to take over at 8.30 as far as like administering what they do at that point. So selfishly, that's one that's a less stress for me, just having to pack them in the car and all the um, frustration and tears that would ensue just to get their stupid butts in the car. Did I really say that about my kids at 821 or whatever, just to get them to school on time? Uh, the other thing too, uh, we may have, we may or may not have mentioned this on previous podcasts, uh, the struggle that we had with Piper, our typical child, getting her to sleep in her own bed. Um, the, uh, the fact is that her classroom was set up in the guest room. She figured out that she likes the guest room. So that's where she sleeps now is in the guest room. So Meg and I actually have our bed back, um, which, uh, yes, yes, which may or may not have, I know, which may or may not have come out, came about if we had not been introduced to virtual learning. But Piper now has found the guest room to be her comfort level. Now, when we actually have guests again someday post COVID, what's that going to look like? But for now, Every night, Meg and I get to sleep in our own bed together. Now, as far as Morgan and how the effect that it's had and what we've found is um, Meg has suspected for a while that in elementary school, outside of the realm of the resource class, when Morgan is just in the class itself, um, how much the, uh, you know, the teacher had to be distracted by things other than Morgan, meaning the rest of the class. And so Morgan was perfectly fine to do just as much work as they would ask of her. And if they didn't ask her to do any, she was perfectly fine to do none. With now her transitioning to middle school, and there, I should say, there is a portion of um, certain days where Morgan is on campus um, two hours to do something similar to resource. And I know Meg would correct me on this, but I'm not specifically sure what it is. But on the, and, the, and the times that she's doing virtual learning and with Meg constantly being in the room with her initially to do so, it really um, illustrated how much attention specifically Morgan needed to just stay on track, just keep her attention there. And with Meg being on top of it, it really did it convey to us how much that was slipping through the cracks when she was in elementary school. So much so that... With Meg being completely on top of it, she was asking Morgan to do more. And when you ask Morgan to do more, she is going to protest, but eventually she is going to do more. Her capacity for doing things is much greater than we ever thought it was. Um, she is accomplishing more because there's somebody constantly on top of her having to do so and not letting her get away with things slipping through the cracks to the point where now 
Morgan is asked to work independently. She doesn't want Meg in the room anymore. She wants to do these things on her own and she participates. When we look in on her, she does participate. She does answer the, answer the question. Does she lose focus like she normally would? Of course. But, you know, the progress is such that like, I just sat down with Morgan yesterday to go over a presentation that she needed to do. And just in a couple various cues of like, no, you can't just simply read in a presentation as opposed to reading, for instance. Hi, I'm Morgan. I'm in sixth grade, sweetie. They already know you're Morgan. They already know you're in sixth grade. You have to present this. But just one or two cues and she got it. She Let's just say it's being revealed to us how much more she's capable of as opposed to what I previously was aware of in this process. And so that being said, Morgan is as of this moment, acing middle school. Now, much as you learned, Holly, um, Morgan slash Meg is acing middle school. <laughs> yeah, sure. We can talk. Um, <laughs> yeah. So Morgan, so Meg is experiencing the redo of middle school and being able to, um, I don't know if she can bump up her uh, GPA slash how that would translate into transcripts if she ever decided she wanted to go back to higher education because Meg is now acing middle school. But Meg slash Morgan is acing middle school and it's still a struggle it's still a lot of effort just to get her to do it but we are finding she can work more independently she's capable of a lot more than we were previous aware of and we can ask more of her i completely agree with so many of those points david um i have a lot to piggyback on that which you know might relate or have more to add but before we do that um, my husband actually was off of work today so he's here uh recording a podcast. It's been a little short time before he's been on it since he's been on the podcast. Um, but just for people that are listening, um, so we're a blended family. John has a 17-year-old son with autism and he goes to a different school district um, than my kiddos. Um, and then one of my four children, uh, he's high functioning autism. So Caleb is in the seventh grade. Um, now Cooper's model for um, school is that he goes two days a week. He goes to school two days a week in the building. And then uh, his teacher has been trying to push to get his special needs class, you know, standard standard hours because it's only space, nine those, of them. Yeah, those kiddos don't get around and mingle much in public anyway. So yeah. the chances of likelihood of them getting uh, infected somebody else pretty slim. Yeah, but, and there's um, only eight, actually, no, there's eight this year in his class. Yeah, And so really, when you're talking about those numbers, um, you know, the, his teacher is really like, why do we not bring back my kids every single day? Yeah. Um, because that just seems, so they're pushing for that. And assuming that the numbers don't go out of control, it's very possible he may be back in school. So um, originally when I told John what we were podcasting on, he was like, I don't, he says, I'd have to dig really deep in order to find a positive or a win from this whole COVID. But I do have one. Did, did you see, did you see what? Well, I did actually. So Cooper's been on a wait list for ABA therapy for a long time. So this has allowed him essentially to have that structured schedule five days a week, three hours a day. Which it just is opened up more time Excellent for day. him. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so he, yeah. he has that structure that he needs because two days a week isn't enough. Uh, for him, I mean, any other three days school. are kind of a, are kind of a waste. But 
honestly, that's a plus uh, for him, for sure. Well, the other thing I would say, too, is, is that um, with Cooper at the end of last year, I was really frustrated with some of the garbage. No offense if anybody from his school district is listening. I apologize, but it was garbage. We were getting these manila envelopes home of like worksheets for Cooper. Now, understand Cooper is not verbal like mostly he just um he just repeats what is he hears um he can he can provide have some spontaneous language but he's considered an asd level three um young man and um the garbage that they were sending home in the forms of worksheets at the end of last school year were um you know like oh roll the dice with cooper and then if it lands on depending on what number it lands on you ask him the question like cooper tell us the time that you were sad um, yeah, you know, he can't even tell me really like um, when, his ear hurts. when his ear hurts. So I don't, you know what I'm saying? It was just this garbage. It's like, are you kidding me? Some of the garbage that they were sending back, you know, in terms of worksheets that they wanted us to do with him, I thought were just preposterous. Now, the other, you know, now that we've been in this model for a, a bit of a time, I think that the quality of, of stuff that he's then, you know, being presented with during like this virtual school days is better because I think they've had to think, start thinking out of the box and how are we going to serve our special ed students um, outside of the box. So I'm relieved at that because I was just, I, I, in my mind, I'm like, you have nine students in your class and you can't send home better quality, pertinent relative stuff that's related to Cooper and his function and ability other than just like, here's some papers. We're just going to send it out to everybody and Keep them busy. So I feel like that's a little bit better. Well, and I would say, too, that this has also given uh, the, the, the behavior tech time to work on his schoolwork um, that they send home. So that's part of, of the, his, his therapy is they actually work on the work that's sent home uh, for him to complete. So that's kind of a good deal as well. Yeah. So him. there have been some unexpected wins. Now, in my world with Caleb, it has taken me, because I have on my wall right here, which nobody can see, but it's a countdown of how many more weeks of this hell we have left. And incidentally, if anybody's curious, we have 32 more weeks, I'm just saying. But um, again, I promise that we were gonna talk about the bad stuff. We were only gonna talk about the unexpected wins. I have a laundry list, a laundry list of things. So isn't that nice? So one unexpected win is, while be it, it was clunky and very difficult for me to figure out in the beginning, this we're using the platform of Microsoft Teams. And so it really streamlines the list of assignments that each student has and when their due dates are. And so the unexpected win in that is, number one, I can see very clearly um, what his assignments are when they're due. And I can also click on the ones that he, any of my kids have submitted so I can see what they did. Um, and then, you know, so on and so forth. So that was kind of once, you know, I was grumbling about technology. Now I'm loving that whole Microsoft team piece where you can actually just click on the assignments tab and you can see like what, you know, so it turns red when it's overdue, which is another thing I absolutely love. So the thing with that, though, is, is that exactly what you were saying, David, is, is that Caleb has completely impressed me. And it took a little bit to get into our routine. But he now knows he navigates over to that assignment list. And he is managing and staying on top of those assignments and their due dates. Because one of our challenges is that concept of time. When is something due? How do we make sure that we get it done in time? And so this year, because of this unexpected virtual learning, because we are 100% virtual learning, and Caleb doesn't get to go back into the building even to do special services. Um, so they don't deem his um, his level of, you know, of autism to be to warrant actually going into the building even for special services. 
you know, one thing that I've always had to do is just constantly micromanage him just on, you know, like, you know, Caleb, get up. We have to get out the door, just getting out the door, the time management, getting out the door and where we have to be at certain times. And what it is, this has shown me is, is that he has, I, I, I printed out just a weekly calendar to view and I just wrote down like on Monday, Tuesday, you know, he has first, second and third on our, I'm sorry, Monday, Wednesday is first, second, third, Tuesday, Thursday, he has third, fourth and fifth. And then on uh, Fridays, it's just 20 minutes. So he has all six classes at just 20 to 30 minutes. Um, I stick this on the wall and I write out what time it is. And it is shocking to me how well he can manage his time. And I don't have, his transitions are wonderful. Um, he sets his own timers on the iPad saying, you know, oh, you know, Siri, like uh, remind me or uh, set an alarm for 145. Or he'll say, um, set a timer for five minutes when a teacher gives him a five minute break. And he's doing all of that independently. And that to me is like, holy cow, like this is amazing. This just shows me, you know, and I don't know that he really would have dug deep to realize that he has capability of doing that unless at school, they're just constantly push shoving them along and kind of, you know, ushering them where they need to be. But here he's really having to manage the time and navigating to those different rooms. And with his little, and as long as we update his schedule that he has taped to the wall, he can, he can manage it hundred percent on his own. And very rarely is he ever late for anything, which is amazing. Um, the other thing that I think that um, this whole virtual learning thing has done is it has shown me like what accommodations Caleb really needs um, because I can definitely see when I'm sitting here throughout the day, the things that he's, you know, where accommod certain accommodations would definitely be wonderful and ones where, you know, I just don't think that he needs it. Like his ability, you know, it's been, it was suggested by a teacher or something he have, you know, he has a certain accommodation. And so that's actually just watching this whole virtual learning piece. It's definitely shown me like one thing, having audible textbooks a hundred percent. Like it is just, you know, like I can't imagine the school and I, I've been very honest with school district ever going back to the traditional textbook ever again, just seems silly to me because we transitioned to virtual or the virtual textbooks. And so Caleb just clicks on, you know, students can either read it or he can just click the little like speaker thing in the top left corner and it reads him the entire page. And so that is one of those things where it definitely shows me um, like where that that is a huge accommodation. And I'm hoping that they see this as something that is an asset for a lot of students because it certainly speeds things up. Um, the other thing, and I don't know, this will be interesting to see what you guys say. I feel like our gen ed teachers are way more dialed into Caleb and really actually, because this is the way it's been in my previous, just in our experience so far, is, is that, you know, they're in gen ed part of the day, right? And then the special ed or resource teachers are then modifying all of the stuff um, and the assignments and the expectations that would have come out, those assignments that would have come out of general ed, right? So if Caleb was assigned something in science, then his resource teacher would kind of modify the assignment in order for him to then get it done. It really wasn't done much on the gen ed side. And the thing about the virtual learning right now is, is that, and maybe this is just in our situation, I don't think the gen ed teachers are as busy because, you know, when the kids are done with their class, they're kind of checked out. And while be it in our day, they assign, you know, like at 150 is student access time where they can, you know, go into the, they call it sat time team and they can have more help with that particular teacher. But I don't see very many students accessing the student access time with the teachers. So Caleb pops in there 
with these gen ed teachers and like they're modifying and supporting Caleb and giving him extra help that he never would have gotten in just a gen ed class. Do you know what I'm saying? So he has this one class that's called CAP, which is where it's career and academic prep. So basically that's where he would take those assignments and they would modify and help him in those classes. Well, he doesn't really need that time. That class I think is almost pointless for him because he just pops into the student access time with his gen ed teachers and they are so nice and spend a great deal of time because no other kids are really popping in there. You might have a couple of gen ed kids that might pop in there for like one quick question or whatnot, but by and large, like he's usually the only person in those, in that time, in that team meeting um, during that time. So he's getting a lot more support from the gen ed teachers that I don't think he would have in person. So I don't know, um, Tanya, like how you feel about that. I wish my kids would actually ask their teachers for help more often. Instead, they just ask me. <laughs> Oh, see, we had that for the first like three weeks. And then I happened to get a call from Caleb's case manager. And he was like, how is it going? I'm like, it's horrible. This is complete and total bullpucky. Because like, I watch Caleb all day long. And at most, he says six words in these classes. So how do these teachers even know his level of ability and function if all he says is six words? And so that was when it was, it was, decided at that point that every day of the week he was going to go into the SAT time and meet one-on-one with these different teachers. And that was when the teachers figured out, wow, Caleb needs a lot more help. You know what I mean? Because he was really not pacing, right? And so I was like, yes, because I'm doing it all for him. Like, And I was honest, I said, I nail in the seventh grade. Thank you very much. And that was when it kind of changed. They said, well, that's not what we want to happen. And so then they started having him use like every day of the week, he meets at a different, with a different teacher. And that was when like the light bulbs went on and then people were, um, you know, like helping him. So um, my, both my kids ask me for help. And then what happens is um, Logan, what he does is he, um, he won't, he'll ask me for help. And his teacher is good about helping, but I told his teacher, I was like, you know, when it's comes to like a quiz, I don't help him on it unless he just has a technology issue. But I was like, you know, with the math, she's like, oh, it seems like he's been doing really well. And I was like, yeah, I provide him a lot of support because I want him to know how to do it. So, but I would like, sometimes I'll let him do it by himself and then I'll come and the ones he got wrong, will go back over. So then when he submits it, they are changed to correct. But I mean, so all his assignments are turning out really well, but it's with a lot of support. Yeah. And I would say that early on, um, I was doing probably, it was like, he was doing about 10% of it independently, 90% with me helping him. And now I would say that he, because of some of this, that time that he's, and the teachers just are expecting it. It's like, I'm expecting Caleb on Wednesday today during, and so that if he's not there, they'll like send him a little thing, calling him to the meeting. Um, but now I'm only doing about 10%, maybe 20%, depending on like the week and what type of assignment he has. And one thing you said earlier too, about the knowing like what accommodations so with Logan, so we just had his three-year reeval actually at the beginning of this year. And so he had an assistive technology because I'm pretty sure, like Caleb, I'm pretty sure he has dysgraphia, even though we have never had it formally like diagnosed. And so writing is really hard for him. So we did the assistive technology evaluation because we want to get him to be able to use like speech to text and stuff. Well, what happens is he's been practicing speech to text, but only during OT, which is oh, yeah. once a week. 
he hasn't really and so and then he gets really silly because he thinks it's hilarious when it does it incorrectly so he hasn't been able to before this year he hasn't really used it in context of how it can help him with school because it was just in the ot room so now that he's on the a chromebook all day he now we turned on that accessibility feature so now he's actually seeing real world like oh this can help me so now i can just talk and it will type what I'm talking and that I need to slow down when I talk and only do a couple words at a time to make sure it's correct. So he's kind of being able to apply it to see how it actually will help him. Whereas before it was very isolated in OT and he couldn't really see how it would help him. Yes. Oh, I'm with you there. I love the talk to text thing. That's been amazing. Um, so many different like technology wins, I think mm -hmm. that we yes. never would have seen generalized across the board that he's a lot better with technology in general since going online like his ability to use the computer to do a google document to do all that stuff like has improved immensely yes okay so here's my piggyback to that one of the other educational wins this year is, is that caleb does not like presenting in front of his class so like there might be this really great social studies project that he's totally interested in like they're doing last week coaching you know what i mean and so now two different kind of platforms support would be like, you have to do all these things and do a poster and like blah, blah, blah. And then you have to present it to the class, right? Well, he hates that. Hates it, hates it, hates it. He would pretend to be sick on the day that he knew he was going to have to present it. Um, now though, because of virtual learning, we have to come up with alternative forms of how we present our work. So two things. One, I knew Caleb was going to love. He loves PowerPoint. He loves putting together graphics and layering graphics and stuff. So that has always been something where, you know, I would say, hey, is it possible for him to do a PowerPoint instead? Like I would always have to ask for that as an accommodation to an assignment. Mm -hmm. um, but now it's just like create a PowerPoint. And so it's kind of like, I mean, Caleb's literally like cracking his knuckles, like, yay, let's do this. Right. Um, the other platform at first, I was like cringing because I was like, this is not going to be good. Is this thing called Flipgrid where they actually record themselves, you know what I mean? And they can have different backdrops and it says like breaking news at the bottom or whatever. And I was just like, oh gosh, like Caleb's probably not going to love this. Turns out he does love Flipgrid because it's kind of like, you know, like recording a YouTube video for them. And I was just like, it was so funny. But again, it's getting teachers out of that context of like, we're going to create a poster board, which again, is very difficult for Caleb, you know, like computer PowerPoints, much, much, much better. And you can really see what he knows because he'll put a lot more effort into a PowerPoint than he's ever going to put into a poster. You know what I mean? I'm taking notes on Flipgrid right now because that sounds right up Morgan's alley. Um, you know, one of the things you, you had said, uh, Holly, about the extra time and Morgan has taken advantage of that too. There is. I guess whatever you refer to it, to me, I just called it like study hall. Like there's an optional study hall uh, for kids. And of course, typical kids either don't need it or don't want to do it. I know as a typical kid, I right? <laughs> extra school. No, thank you. But Morgan in, in, in needing it, it has turned out to be like, because you're right. Then she has the uh, pretty much a captive audience with a couple of the teachers and it's been a huge benefit to her to be in there to just kind of relearn or, you know, get a different context of the same type of thing from a different point of view. And it really helps her. Uh, the other thing, too, and I mean, this is just a, in a strange way, a residual benefit. The time that she has does have to go to school and it's a couple hours where she's on campus, but there's very few other people there. There was one day where there was some work going on. It was noise. It was a distraction. She couldn't focus. 
the teacher recognized it. So the teacher took her on a tour of the school and said, you know, let's just ditch what we're doing here, Morgan, because this is obviously not working. It's hard for you. So let me. And so she got to go on a tour of the school and kind of what to expect if school was actually in session. So kind of a personalized deal just for her to familiarize herself with the surroundings should she ever have to go back. Yeah. That's awesome. I don't know about you guys and when your IEPs are, but um, we too had to have our reevaluation and our IEP was just actually done at the end of last week. And one of the things that was amazing about this is that when Caleb was in elementary school, his gen ed teacher would always show up for the very first part of the meeting. Um, and then a lot of times they would have to skedaddle and then we would just hash out the rest of his goals and such with his um, special ed teacher, his resource teacher. And then when we were in the sixth grade, he had three gen ed teachers because they did a rotation thing. And then he spent a lot of time in the resource room. In that year, like last year when he was a sixth grader, his gen ed teacher that he was considered his like homeroom teacher came to the IAP, but was again, only just in there for a little bit of time. And then we spent um, the rest of the time just working out the rest of the details of the IAP with the special ed teacher. So this year when we were doing it, you know, he has, you know, six different, you know, classes. And what was interesting about it was um, actually his case manager was obviously part of the IEP meeting, but his um, other two special ed teachers weren't, didn't show up to the IEP meeting and he had two of his gen ed teachers. So his, so he has three gen ed classes, art, the art teacher came to his IEP meeting because she's gotten to know Caleb because he does private time with her. And then his science teacher actually came to the IEP meeting. And I was really, it really touched my heart. And his social studies teacher was in a different meeting, so he couldn't be there, but he sent some things that he wanted to just, you know, like um, compliment Caleb on. But it was actually just um, his case manager, the school psychologist, um, in terms of the special ed team that was part of the IEP. So that one was kind of an unexpected, like, wow, this is great that the gen ed teachers came to the meeting. Because usually it's kind of like, oh, well, he's special ed, so we'll just have a special ed. We'll just send some notes and then the special ed teacher just kind of deal with it. So that was kind of another unexpected win is that because they spend more time with Caleb because of that, you know, sat time or special, you know, that student access time, I think they're more invested. So they came to that IEP meeting. The other thing I was going to say is one unexpected win is I have definitely found in terms of an accommodation for Caleb is that he needs to be able to get up and move around. Well, can you really do that in a classroom? You can't, even though we all know that they need to get up and move around. In this virtual, I have Caleb using my earbuds now. So he's totally, it's connected with his computer. They're just like yours, David, that you're using now. And he just literally kind of paces back and forth and he's got his little earbuds in, but he's got a Lego table next to him. So sometimes he's playing with his Legos while he's listening. Um, then sometimes I'll see him lean back and looking at the computer because like there's a visual that he needs to see. But I'm telling you, I've asked him and just quizzed him. It's like, what are they talking about? And he's just like, da, 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 da. so he is totally listening, but it's just that he sitting in a chair doing nothing is so boring. And David, when you talk about Morgan and her attention span, I totally get that because if he has to sit there and just stare at a screen with his headphones on, that's super boring. If he can wear the, the wireless earphones and just walk around and, you know, kind of play with his, he's got like his hand fidgets. Again, if you would have asked me six months ago, I would have said, I think hand fidgets are like a total waste and we should just get rid of them out of the classroom because I think they're toys. They're not, you know, they actually don't do anything. Boy, am I wrong now. I'm telling you, those little fidgets that he plays with at his desk or the Legos that he has like next to him at the side table, huge in terms of his hands are busy and his brain is listening. 
I don't know if you guys have like if you've experienced that. Oh, we have a whole bin of fidgets next to him. Um, lately, he's been fidgeting with a Rubik's cube while he learns. He has an exercise peanut. So like during his breaks, he will sit and he rolls back and forth on it. But he still has his computer on. So if he needs a break during class while the teacher's speaking, he still has the volume up so he can still hear what's going on. But he rolls back and forth on his peanut. And you would never do that in a classroom. Never. Well, and so one of my concerns, which why we chose virtual as well, since we had a choice, is all the desks are literally six feet apart and you're stuck in your own little space thing. And I have a child who needs movement. And I was really concerned that he would get in trouble because he wouldn't be able to stay in that little space that they had cut out for him. See, and that's exactly, I'm totally with you. So David, have you noticed like any, has that um, moving around helped her or? Oh, look, I mean, she needs a glass of milk. You can't just get up in a glass of milk during school. She needs, uh, you know, to bail to the restroom. She doesn't have to ask a teacher. There were times where Morgan, in an effort to avoid asking a teacher, would sit having to go pee for like three hours. Yeah. She'd come home from school uncomfortable. We'd have, What's wrong? I have to go to the bathroom. Like, did you ever ask your teacher? I mean, just the level of comfort and just knowing she could walk down the hall. She could hit mute and go away. Yeah. Um, you know, these are all benefits that you would not be able to do in your dedicated classroom surroundings. Are there other things that could serve to distract? Sure. But I mean, it even got, you know, from the standpoint of exposing me to the things that she goes through. Meg can, you know, try to describe it for me. But unless I'm actually doing it, and so one day Meg had to go to the doctor, so I had to be the overseer. And just, you know, the benefit of being exposed to what Meg is exposed to, there was, you know, now that Morgan has five or six teachers because she's in middle school, you're going to have five or six different levels of quality interaction and competence as far as like, you know, I heard one of her teachers say to Morgan, um, Morgan, it seems like, you know, you're not focused today. I'm like, have you seen Morgan's files? Is she's not focused today? Yeah, Morgan's right. never focused. <laughs> so at least, you know, I can sympathize with Meg. Like, yeah, this one doesn't seem to be clued into like what, who Morgan is. Yeah. Like, you know, just being able to relate on that level to Meg is now I've been exposed to it too, where I wouldn't otherwise have yes, been exposed to it. doing school with my kids right now since I'm on the podcast. My yeah. husband for the first time today is... Oh, John came in, was it two weeks ago? Because I had been complaining a little bit about this because he, he, this is kind of an internal joke. He, my husband, every single morning says, have a great day. And like when, at the start of this, I'm like, that's not possible. And he was like, okay, well, have, have a good day. I said, that's not possible either. And he says, okay, well, how about like have the best day you can have? But I was like, better. I think I can manage that. So that's kind of our running joke. But anyway, so there was a span of time before we started getting some of the extra help that we are getting where I was just at my wit's end. And so he came, he left work and he came in on a Friday afternoon because that's kind of the day where like some of all of these things like throughout the week have to be submitted. And so John came in, he's like, all right, he's rolling up his sleeves. Like, what do we need to get done? And then after about like, I don't know, 30, 45 minutes of working with Caleb, he's just like throwing down the pen. I don't know how they expect us to do this. And I'm like, um, yeah. And this is just like Caleb's stuff. Now, like, you know, add in the two teenagers that go to high school and it's a complete and total nightmare. But um, and it has gotten better because, you know, again, he has that one-on-one time with um, his teacher. And that particular week, 
Caleb's calculations were off on a science thing and I needed John to help figure out why, why these calculations are not correct. And so they had to work through all that. But it was just funny because he came in and he was rolling up his sleeve and he was just like, I got this. And then he was just like, this is complete BS. <laughs> and I was like, that's how we feel every day um, to a certain degree. But that's why, you know, when we decided to do this podcast, you know, I can give you a whole laundry list of the things that don't work about this. But I think, and they're probably very similar to everybody else's. In a personal note, I've learned to become a compassionate listener. Yeah. I don't, I'm not, and I don't, it's not that I have to solve a problem. I actually just have to listen. Yeah. So that's hard for me. David, it's hard for you. So, yeah. <laughs> so, right. So that's I just exactly. got to listen with compassion. It's like, okay, I can do this. Well, and that was what he learned from that. Cause I've always just said, you know, I just want a compassionate witness, a compassionate listener, because I'm not asking you to fix this because you can't. It's COVID 19 and this is just the way our life is. But when he came in and he experienced that day, then now he understands that, yeah, you just need to vent. I get it now. Just vent. I'll take it. You you give it to me. John, you get a lot of mileage out of this statement. Um, I understand and I validate your feelings. Very cool. Yeah. See, David, that's a gem. That's a gem right there. Yes. You're absolutely right. Um, what I may thing- not actually even believe that when I'm saying it, but I say it just, you, you still know. Say so it. It See, you're like well, you're, yeah. you're a good husband. One other unexpected thing, you kind of talked about it, is um, I think for Caleb, when you're sitting in a class and they're and you're telling you what the assignment is, it's kind of like, you know, maybe some of the, his previous classes that would have a task list for the week or the day or whatnot. I personally never saw that. It was kind of like, use your plan. Everybody pull out your planner and write down what your assignments are. Well, now, thank God, they're trying to implement a virtual planner situation in our school district. And I already just like sent an email to like the case manager saying, ah, no, not happening. I feel like his virtual planner essentially is the assignment list that you, the tab that you go to, to me is his virtual planner. So we're not going to spend extra time learning this virtual planner. Um, but that's the kind of the other nice little win of it is is that you know so often it's like oh they're in class at the end of class take out your planner and write them you still need to get done well that is a very ambiguous thing for Caleb to write down in the back of his planner he has to be cognitively aware of what did he not get finished but that's the other thing too is is that it is now clear cut here is this assignment task list and so Caleb can navigate that and he also uses this little post-it note system if he needs to remind him of something he has different colored sticky notes that he then writes on and then he sticks it on the wall. And so it's one of those things where I'm just so impressed with his ability right now in this virtual world to actually keep track of his own stuff. Now, can he complete all the assignments on his own without help? Not yet, but he's doing so much better at being able to track what he needs to get done or things he needs to like, you know, he'll make himself a post-it note that he needs to do Moby Maps. Okay, I guarantee you that was never written ever in any of his planners in previous years because Moebax has been the bane of our existence for a while now. But anyway, so that's been kind of an unexpected win that thanks to virtual learning, we have learned that Caleb with the right, you know, setup, he can be very self-sufficient. Again, he still needs some help and assistance, you know, like navigating some of the assignments. But um, all in all, I think a big win. So now, with that being said, anybody else while I was rambling on and we were just kind of going over some of those unexpected wins, think of anything that I may have even not appreciated? Because I think you guys are very right. As the days go on, it's kind of like you have those small little things like, you know what, that is a win. I don't feel bad. The merging of technologies and the merging of platforms, you know, from time to time, they get a break. 
in between classes as they know, and they stay on a schedule. She's good about that, but she'll have her iPad. Sometimes though, she might drag her iPad back into class unbeknownst to us, but lo and behold, she has a project, um, you know, on history slash geography slash social studies and the merging of the platform. She ended up doing a presentation for me yesterday. I, I, I described it earlier where initially she was reading, but then eventually she was doing a presentation. It was on Taj Mahal. How did she learn about the Taj Mahal? Well, um, you know, in one of those instances and where she had her iPad with her and might have been distracting herself by playing Roblox. Uh, One of the games is where you hop on a flight to various places in the world and you jump off the plane and you're in a place like India and your character runs into the Taj Mahal. And so from that standpoint, all of a sudden she has an interest in this place that she never used to have an interest in because she's living in virtual world. Hey, that place is kind of neat. Maybe I can do that as part of my report and my presentation. So in this instance, sneaking her iPad back into class in the right opportune time leads her to have an interest in the Taj Mahal. She's all of a sudden doing a report on it, having to study the facts. But I mean, in her, you know, when you give credit to where you learn, she's like, I learned about the Taj Mahal playing Roblox. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you have the Roblox. Obsession. Oh, Roblox, huge in our world. Well, Logan has an interest in the Titanic anyway, so he likes playing the where you're trying to escape the sinking Titanic. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, and I'm glad that you said that, David, because we do have the same issue where Caleb tries, actually his sister does the same thing, tries to sink their iPads back into virtual learning. They have it in their lap. So they're like, so their heads are supposed to be like this, and instead they're, you know, like, you know, turning down to their lap. So then I'm like, okay, who's got the iPad? Caleb's giving me a scowly look because um, he doesn't like the fact that I busted him. But I'm totally with you in that regard too, is that, um, yeah, Roblox actually is one of, it, it, I actually don't mind, like there's aspects of it that I, that drive me nuts, but then there are some advantages. I like what you're saying, David, is they actually become more interested in different things than, they would have been exposed to without a Roblox game. So yeah, for sure. Anything else anybody wants to add before I wrap up this podcast? Well, maybe we've gotten better with technology ourselves, right? We've had to step forward and understand how these stupid things operate, these magic boxes and and figure things out and troubleshoot things. And so that's a, a byproduct as well, right? Yeah, well, and things have definitely gotten better and more streamlined compared to last year. So I'll give everybody a, a kudos for that one too. This might have to be on the uh, cutting room floor and go into the blooper um, version of online learning. But uh, you just have to remember to keep make sure, you know, the opportune times to keep the mic on and also to mute. Because in a middle school class, as we're sitting there, Meg hears this mom come into her son's room and say, oh, my God, your underwear, you've pooped all over it. You have poop all over it too, in front of the entire class. Oh, no. Oh, no. The worst in front of the entire have- middle school Oh, yeah. no. The worst we've experienced is Kelly was getting to introduce herself to a new student and her brother who's sitting next to her just rips a really loud fart. And it was just like, really, Tyler, are you kidding me? And of course, you know, that's like comic gold. You know what I'm saying? I mean, fortunately, Kelly found it to be funny, too. But um, it was just like, oh, my gosh. And the question is, did he do it? Like, did he plan the timing just perfectly? Or because Kelly will oftentimes say, OK, everybody be quiet. I'm going to unmute, unmute my mic, you know what I mean? And then it's one of those things where you should probably not give your brother the, like, the heads up that you're going to unmute your mic because he's just waiting for an audience. But anyway, 
All right. Well, thank you guys for joining me. Like I said, I, I thought that, you know, sure, we could podcast on everything that's wrong with this school year, but I thought we should try and focus on some of the positives through all of this. Well, I was going to say, so this one was part one of one. If you did a negative one, it'd be like part one of three. Right? Well, the negatives instead of the positive. I don't know, because when I started making my list of like things that were like good about it, um, you know, really the social things are the things that I'm missing about, um, you know, my kids are missing. Well, with the exception of Caleb, because like with you guys, what you said is Caleb's full of in the virtual world because he doesn't have to talk to people. Um, he, you know, can, if he doesn't like a certain kid, he can take out his little earphones and sit them down because he doesn't like the kid and he doesn't want to listen to them talk and then he puts them back in. So from that perspective, it's amazing. So Caleb out of the four is just like, love it. Never want to go back. I don't need that social nuance of other people. Um, Logan likes talking to people though. Oh, he, is he? he yeah, well, it's funny. He doesn't, he, well, he gets easily annoyed by other kids, but he actually likes, he doesn't do it necessarily appropriately, but he loves to talk to other people. And so I think that's bothering him that he can't just go and talk to people about random things. Oh yeah. No, Caleb doesn't even like talking to people about random things. So this is like the perfect environment. He just doesn't like, he likes talking to the teachers and stuff, but not really so much the kids, right, Caleb? He's like, mm -hmm. but the other ones, definitely, socially wise, they miss people. I don't know about you guys, but uh, I don't know what uh, PE has looked like for your kids, but I guess in this particular platform, Morgan gets to call her shots as to what she gets to do in PE, which means she gets to go ride on her scooter. She loves riding on her scooter as long as the neighbors adhere to the HOA and don't let a dog run around without a leash because then she comes home freaked out. She blames us because we were supposed to know. But um, at the same time, I mean, she gets to determine her curriculum for PE. Oh. And, you know, it's 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 like it's interest based PE. Yeah. And so instead of like, rant, you know, putting a square peg into a round hole and Morgan go do something that, you know, either sensory standpoint or otherwise she just doesn't enjoy doing. Yeah. She gets to enjoy doing whatever she wants for PE. You want to know what I did? I actually opted out of PE for junior high. So um, because I mean, let's be real. If we go back to school, you really honestly think Caleb's going to go into a locker room and change his clothes in front of people? Never. Yeah. We're opting out of PE too next year. Yeah. So we opted out of PE. And so what we do is Caleb loves doing this workout. Um, so we go to a private physical therapy clinic here in Spokane. I'm going to give them a plug. They're called um, Healthy Body Solutions. Um, and so Caleb goes in twice a week and they have ARX machines. And so it's kind of like um, strength, counter strength um, things. So he goes in there and he does, it's kind of like think Bowflex, but with like real computerized machines that like he presses against or he pulls against. And um, and it's awesome. So we go and do that like two days a week. And, um, the nice thing is through, um, healthy body solutions. So we can print out reports of his progress and we can turn them in so that you can see he's still doing something athletic, but it's amazing. He loves going and doing his workouts. He, it's like playing a video game while you're doing it. Cause you can see like you're climbing the hill, push, 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 push. And so he can try and beat his previous scores. So, I mean, what isn't awesome about that? Right. But anyway, so we're having a lot of fun doing that. And here's the thing. It takes us 30 minutes. It's like great. So um, like 30 minutes. he says it doesn't feel like 30 minutes because he's burning muscles and he gets some sore muscles from it. But he enjoys that over PE any day of the week. So anyway, 
So I'll actually put some of their information in the comment section in case anybody's interested. They're here in Spokane, but I, I think that they have this type of the, these types of centers all over. So um, anyway, well, thank you guys. I'm going to have to wrap this particular podcast up of thank Isaac's God. Autism in the Wild. My son is in the background saying, thank God. This was the first time he's had to listen to mom podcast for Isaac's Autism in the Wild. And so I don't know that he just loves being the center of, of the attention today, but it's all 100% true, Caleb. You're doing awesome. So good job, Caleb. Good job. See, everybody's saying good job, Caleb. All right. Well, thank you guys. We're going to go ahead and end this here. Thanks for listening. And that's it for now. If you want to be notified of our next podcast release, be sure to hit subscribe. And just remember, we're all in this together. So find your tribe and hold them tight.